Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And we're gathered around this table today because, you know, there was something that happened at our Encouragement Cafe retreat that just blessed my socks off. A lot of times, those of us that are around the table regularly, we're maybe in our 30s, 40s, and older. I'm not going to mention, you know, who that could be. But we're, we kind of get in that mode that we've already experienced the family thing. We've experienced the dating thing. We've experienced some of those things. And we forget about there's a younger generation that's coming up behind us. And they want desperately to learn from our mistakes, from our victories. And at the Encouragement Cafe retreat, we had a handful of girls that were in that younger generation. And what blessed me, Rachel, was that they were so grateful for us allowing them into this this circle, allowing them into the cafe. And really, I never want anyone to feel like they aren't a part of it, whether they're single, married, young, old, or anything in between, every single one of us has a purpose in this thing called life. You know, and it may be totally different than the person next to us. You know, God is so unique in the way that he makes us and builds us and wires us. And yet, when we are family, when we are called his children, There is this scarlet thread that's woven through every one of us. And he says, I want you to learn from one another. And this younger generation made me have a whole new appreciation of that at our Encouragement Cafe retreat. Yeah, it was fun having a couple of the young girls there and a, a couple, um, you know, daughters of some of the, the moms there. And it's just fascinating to me because when I think about my 20-year-old self, I don't know that I would have been excited to go, you know, spend several days in a hotel with a bunch of moms and, and a bunch of middle-aged women or senior women or whatever, you know, like, and so it's great that they wanted to come, that they wanted to participate. It was a joy to have them there with their energy and their fresh perspectives. But yes, I too was touched by one gal in particular who who stood up and said to the group that our faith, um, as the generations that have come before her that she's watching and learning from, that our faith is the foundation for her faith. And that was very touching, very meaningful. It really was. And what it did for me is make me realize that The younger generation is watching. They're watching our moment-by-moment faith. They're watching our moment-by-moment lives. And we can stand up and proclaim God's good news. We can be in church and say that we believe, and we can get on the radio and, and try to tell you some encouraging things. But when the microphone's off and when we go home, are we that same person when we're behind the wheel in our car? When we go into the restaurant and we have someone wait on us at a cafe table, are we as friendly to them? Are we showing God's love in the moment by moment? 
I think that's an important question because it's not just a matter of am I actively, consciously, intentionally modeling Christ for the next generation and teaching them God's principles, or am I not? There's also the question of, am I eroding their faith? Am I eroding their foundation? Because they see me be two different people in in different circumstances. So it's not just a matter of sort of either we're teaching them or we're in neutral gear. We could also be putting their faith in reverse gear. Um, So it is important that we think about who's watching and and what we might be teaching them. And I think about um, when my children were little um, and I was homeschooling my daughter and my son was three years younger and still not really old enough to participate in the schooling part. And he would sit in the adjoining room and the floor and play with his Legos. And I would be in the adjoining kitchen with my daughter at the kitchen table going through lessons about, you know, ancient Egypt (laughs) um, and things like that. And I assumed that Caleb was not listening. He certainly wasn't watching. He definitely wasn't at the table with us. And he was playing happily with his Legos. And I would do these lessons with Elena. And then I would ask her a question. So what divided the North and the South, you know, kingdom of Egypt? And if there was even the slightest pause before she answered this little voice from the other room, little, you know, three-year-old, four-year-old Caleb would speak up, still his hands moving the Legos and his eyes still on his Legos. And he would answer the question. And I remember being blown away because I had no idea he was listening or paying attention or learning anything. So I think of that when I think maybe you have kids in your house or grandkids or or people that you work with that maybe they seem to be doing their own thing, but nonetheless, they are watching and they are hearing and that can make an impact. Well, today around the table, we want to just pull back and Talk about that moment-by-moment faith. The way that we live our life every day is a testimony. You know, I think of uh, St. Francis of Assisi, and he was the one that said, we can stand on the corner and preach, or we can live it. You know, and that's my paraphrase of what he said. But that's the way that we really let people see what the good news of Jesus Christ does in our everyday life. And are we going to mess up? Absolutely. But when we do, are we quick to admit it, repent from it, and move on and do what God's called us to do? I mean, it is those things that we profess lived out in our everyday life. And when Grace was talking, she actually shot a little video that we put up on our Facebook page because she said the faithfulness of those that have gone before her, the previous generation, really is giving her a foundation to stand on. And I think about back when my kids were younger, I would look at them and I would think, you know, I started out my life way down at the bottom of the ladder. And my hope and my prayer was at least I gave them a a start where they were about halfway up the ladder. So they didn't have to go back down where I once was, they could look at where they are right now and take off from there. You know, they are like precious, wonderful, new adventure seekers that can be on fire and have a heart for God if we lay that foundation so firm that they can say, okay, mom had issues at times, but she knew where she found her strength. 
And she knew when she messed up where to go to get back on track. And so I hope, if nothing else, I've taught my children that. Like, I am the most imperfect person you'll ever meet. I really relate to the scripture that Paul spoke on where he said, I was the worst because honestly, I feel like I've had those things in my past where I was the worst, but God. And then when that but God happened in my life where he took over and he said, I have a plan for you that you have no idea, Luann. Someday, you're not going to have to look in the rearview mirror. You're only going to look out at the future. And the seeds that you plant today are going to sprout out in people you haven't even met yet. And, and that's what happened at the Encouragement Cafe retreat, Rachel. I saw seeds in some young girls that I never knew, never dreamed I would meet. And yet there they were saying, your faithfulness in your faith has laid a firm foundation for me. You know, when I think about, you know, who laid that foundation for me, because I, I did not really grow up in a Christian home or attending a church or a youth group or anything like that. I didn't have that sort of stuff modeled for me on a regular basis in my life. But I did have a great aunt, my mother's aunt. Her name was Susie R. Madigan. And you have to say it that way because every card she ever gave me for every birthday or every Christmas, she signed it that way. Love, Aunt Susie R. Madigan, as if I weren't sure who Aunt Susie was. (laughs) She's so quirky like that. Anyway, my Aunt Susie, you know, she was much, much, much older than I was. You know, she was a senior citizen as I was growing up and she did not work. And so she would sometimes babysit me when, you know, my parents would have to work or go to an event or sometimes I would go and spend the night with her. And um, she had this small two-room apartment. She didn't have a lot of money. There was nothing about her that would be attractive to the world. She was not beautiful. She was not wealthy. She did not have any amazing talents or any amazing career, but she was the most loving person. She told the best stories, Um, and she had this giant Bible that she would pull out when I would come over, and it had pictures in it, and she would go through it, and she would tell me these stories, and she would make the scriptures come alive, and she would pray for me, and I would also watch her. Her apartment, she consciously took an apartment that overlooked the local funeral home. So she could see all the funerals taking place. Now, me personally, I would think that's a terrible real estate location. (laughs) How depressing to live next to the funeral home. That would be my thought. Her thinking was she could watch over the people that were in grief and pray for them. And that is exactly what she did. I would watch her sit by her window when there was a funeral happening and she would just watch down below and I would see her mouth moving and I could hear these little whispery, you know, um, coming as she was praying for the people that she was watching. Probably to no one else uh, d- did she leave this this massive faith legacy, but she did for me. Um, and then hopefully maybe I, I can multiply that. But, you know, uh, it, you don't have to be um, a, a preacher um, to, to really leave a strong foundation of faith for the next generation. Oh, man, that is what we're talking about today. As we 
come around this table, we want you to know wherever you are in life, God is using you. He's using you so that the next generation will have a stronger faith, a powerful faith, one that knows that no matter what happens in this life, you cannot be shaken. You know, when God says that he will be with us, that he will never abandon us, that he will never leave us, that's good news that we need to share, not in just our words, but the way we live, our actions every day. And then when we go back to what Jesus said, Rachel, Jesus said, the most important thing was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the next thing he said was to love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the things that I have learned how to do better, I'm still working on it, is to learn how to love myself because a lot of times we have a tendency to beat ourselves up for past mistakes and past errors. And when we start learning to love ourselves for who we are today, who we are right now, not what we've been, but who we are in Christ, when we learn how to love ourselves the way that God loves us, then we're able to turn it around and show others that kind of love. And maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's your niece, maybe it's your nephew, maybe it's someone that's in your church. I'm not sure who you are influencing today, but here's the fact. You are an influencer. If you are alive (laughs) and breathing, then you are influencing those people around you. And it's either a good way or a not so great way. And I got a gift from my granddaughter, eight-year-old granddaughter by the name of Rachel. And this girl just uh, captures my heart because when I look at her, she, uh, there's only two pictures of me when I was young, and she looks like one of those two pictures when I was her age. I see her excitement about life, and I see her going headstrong into things that I know is going to probably get her in trouble. And she has three <laughs> brothers, so I see her trying to stand her ground, for instance— We had them all over at our house for a week, one year, one summer. And in the middle, she was five at the time. She had just turned five. And we were watching a a movie, a Disney movie, before they went to bed. And evidently, her brothers had pushed her last button that day, and I didn't know it. But as we sat around uh, watching that, she's on the couch. And suddenly, in the middle of the movie, no, no one's provoking her. She jumps up, goes in front of the TV screen, holds her hand straight out like a stop sign and says, I am five years old. Nobody can tell me what to do anymore. And then she went back (laughs) over and took her seat. And I thought, that is so me. (laughs) But here's what she gave me this year for Christmas. Eight years old, she went to each one of her brothers and drew traced their hand, and then she traced her hand, and then she asked them, tell me what is so special about Grandma and Grandpa. She did this on her own, and then she put it all on a collage piece of paper and gave it to me, and I cried like a baby when I opened it, and her little hand said, you are part of my love. Rachel, I, I look at that every single day because 
Our love, the love that God poured into us, is pouring out to others. Whether we like it or not, we are influencing the next generation. And so it's so important to not only recognize it, but to maybe make some absolute uh, choices that will honor God and make sure that they do have a firm foundation from us. I like what you said there, too, about loving others and loving ourselves, that we're modeling both of those. So, you know, right now, your your sweet little granddaughter, Rachel, she's probably seeing how you love others, how you love her, how you love, you know, her brothers and sisters and the members of her family. And she's learning how to love others from you, which is a tremendous foundation for anyone to have. But then... As I think as the girls, especially as they get a little older, you know, what are they seeing? Like my kids might see me, perhaps see me loving someone else. Maybe they see me take a casserole to a neighbor who's just had surgery or something. And that's terrific. But then back at the house, do they see me looking in the mirror, you know, cursing my hair because it's not big, thick, long supermodel hair or cursing my thighs because they're not skinny, thin supermodel? thighs. How how well do they see us loving ourselves and our own lives? Not just going out and doing the Christian thing of loving others, which is important, but also are they seeing us love ourselves and who God made us to be and accepting that? That is key. That is key. And it is a lesson that I'm still learning. And that was another thing that at our uh, get-together, I think that these young girls saw us being real and, you know, we all kicked off on the diet and exercise together and they saw us going, okay, I'm not happy with the way I am because God told me to take care of this temple. So I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make some wise choices. I'm going to make healthier choices. I think they were watching that. I think that all those little decisions that we make, they see us be, be flawed. They see us make not great choices, but then they say, wow, if she can get up and face God in the morning with sweating it out with the, <laughs> with the workout tape, then maybe I can too. And if she can make healthier choices, if she can uh, be kind to the restaurant person who's waiting on her because she saw us do that and she saw us pray with that person when we saw them struggling a little bit. You know, when we when we mm-hmm. stop and take the time to love the people in our life the way God loves us, and maybe it's the girl at the checkout counter, and it's so easy to fall into the trap of talking about people, but what happens when we turn that around and we start praying for them or with them? And I've watched Mm -hmm. that happen, and Rachel, you and I have both participated in this in the past where there's been someone that's waited on our table, and they're distressed about something. And all of a sudden, you just stop what you're doing, and you don't worry about what kind of food you just had served. You ask them, is there something I can pray for for you? And without hesitation, most of the time, people are just taken off guard, and they give you that thing that they're troubled about. And when Mm -hmm. your 
young ones that are around you, whether it's your family or just someone watching from afar, when they see you do that, it makes an impact. Even Mm -hmm. something as simple as praying when you're out in a restaurant. This happened to my husband and I recently. You know, we, we pray before we have our meal. And we were in a place where, you know, a lot of rowdy stuff was going on around us. It was very noisy, and we, but we stopped and bowed our head, thanked God for the food that he had provided, and didn't think any more about it. And later, the waitress came over to us, and she said, I wait on people all the time. And even though I know I've seen them at church, I don't see them bow their head. And I just wanted you to know that that made an impact on me today. And I thought, oh my goodness, who knew that she was even watching? And how do we live our life moment by moment? Because we are making an impact. You know, I think about you, you're talking about praying with someone and how that might, you know, the kids that are at the table with you and see you do that makes an impact on them. But I also think about that waiter or waitress then going back into the kitchen and telling their coworkers, oh my gosh, this couple out here at my table just totally stopped and prayed for me and prayed for my, you know, relative who has cancer I'm worried about. And then they go home and tell that relative with cancer or they tell their own kids, you know, we don't get always get to see or we don't always get to hear people say, hey, what you did provided a foundation for my faith. Hopefully, when we get to heaven, we'll get to hear more of those stories. Um, And it was a blessing for you and I to hear that from from Sweet Grace at the retreat. Just know that it, it has an impact beyond what we can think or imagine, beyond what we'll ever see or know. And so, the idea is just to trust that it's having an impact, even when we can't see it or are not sure that it does. I think of the story of Floyd and Rachel. Floyd was our liaison at the uh, hotel where Proverbs 31 held their conference. And you and Mm -hmm. I were both with Proverbs at that time. And Floyd came over and said, ladies, I'm so sorry. We're eating lunch. And he says, "I, I have to run out. I've got an emergency dentist appointment because they found a hole in my tooth. I have to have an emergency root canal. And at that moment, Mm -hmm. I, I felt that nudge and I, said, Floyd, may I pray for you? And I took him off guard. And he said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I laid my hand on his little face and I just prayed that God would touch him so that he would know and recognize that it was God. The next morning, I'm in the breakfast line and Floyd comes running up to me and said, Luann, Luann, you're not going to believe this. I went in and they could not find the hole in my tooth. They could not find, and he's crying. And I grabbed him and I said, Floyd, the God of the universe paused and he touched you so that you would tell others who he is. And you know that I was in charge of the prayer room at Proverbs 31 conference. And Mm -hmm. he did exactly that. He went back and told all the people that were working at the hotel And in that prayer room that year, it was absolutely slam-packed with people from the hotel coming in and saying, will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Yeah, hotel staff, yep. Coming in mm -hmm, while they're at work, 
taking a few minutes and slipping into that prayer room because for them, they had heard Floyd's story and they said, wow, this God is real. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like, you know, and again, we were fortunate to see the impact, to see those people come into that prayer room. Um, We don't always get to see it, but it always has an impact. So today I want to just encourage you to live your life moment by moment, whether behind the wheel, at your desk at work, or at home with your kids. Wherever you are, know that you do have an impact that will send ripples for the future generation to stand on. May the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.